Uh, reading Matthew 7, uh, verses 1 to 6. Do not judge, or you too will be judged. For in the same way as you judge others, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when all the time there is a plank in your own eye? You hypocrite, first take the plank out of your own eye and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. Do not give dogs what is sacred. Do not throw your pearls to pigs. If you do, they may trample them under their feet and then turn and tear you to pieces. This is the word of the Lord. If you have an eye for detail... You are good at noticing small but important things that other people might not notice. It is helpful when you are making a film or building a house. See the nuances in the script, imagining the scene, what fits and what doesn't. Does the house have everything it needs? Everything on paper needs to be realized made to happen. Today's passage from Matthew in a way refers to having or not having an eye for detail. And the verses themselves contain details that require our close attention. Do not judge others or you too will be judged. Be fair to each other. Be sympathetic. There is hardly anyone who has not been guilty of some grave misjudgment. There is hardly anyone who has not suffered from someone else's misjudgment. And yet the strange fact is, there is hardly any commandment of Jesus that is broken and neglected more often. There are three good reasons why to judge not, why not to judge We never know the whole facts or the whole person. It is almost impossible to be strictly impartial. But Jesus states the supreme reason why we should not judge others. We are not good enough to judge others. Deal with our own faults first. The Apostle Paul picks up this point in his letter to the Church in Rome. You then, why do you judge your brother or sister? Or why do you treat them with contempt? For we will all stand before God's judgment seat. So then each of us will give an account of ourselves to God. Therefore, let us stop passing judgment on one another. Paul goes on to say, instead, make up your mind not to put any stumbling block or obstacle in the way of a brother or sister, 
Paul gives a reason to his readers. You are pulling each other down. James, in his epistle, says this, There is only one lawgiver and judge, the one who is able to save and destroy. But you, who are you to judge your neighbor? Paul was addressing the church in Rome, James addressing Jewish Christians scattered around the nations. When it comes to fault-finding, God is the judge. We are all in the dock. The words of Jesus, Do not judge, or you too will be judged. For in the same way as you judge others, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Do not judge. Expect to be treated by others as you treat them. So do not do to others as you would have them do to you. Do not judge. Aren't there good reasons why we should judge others? We have judges and magistrates in the justice system for good reason. Aren't we always judging people? Deciding who inspires us and who repels us. To be led by the examples of good guys and not baddies. And there's more. I need to make judgments about truth and falsehood. Can I hold fellow Christians accountable for sin? How can I make right judgments about anything? How can we know who to trust, who to follow, unless we judge them? So what does Matthew 7 verse 1 mean? Do not judge or you too will be judged. It is the most often misused verse in the entire Bible. Our modern culture garbles it into a command to never disapprove or correct the actions of another. This mishandling of Christ's words is out of context three times over. First and foremost, Christ does not say, never judge. He warns that there is a consequence of judgment. Second, this statement is immediately followed by instructions from Christ on the proper way to use judgment. Third, Jesus' other teachings explicitly indicate the right, that right judgment is necessary. In a crystal clear statement in John, chapter 7, verse 24, stop judging by mere appearances, but instead judge correctly. Even so, this do not judge verse is a favorite quote of those attempting to twist scripture. Here, Jesus is not speaking about right, godly judgments. From verse 3, why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye, when all the time there is a plank in your own eye? You hypocrite. First take the plank out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. 
Jesus addresses this sort of absurdity. Let's picture it. The time, the place, and the circumstances in the context of Israel's religious leaders. The Pharisees were hypocrites. The Pharisees took pride in themselves, in their eyes, for detail. With regards to looking at the speck in somebody's eye, well, I can't get my glasses on. And I can't get close enough. And I can't see through one eye because of this plank. Jesus paints a laughable picture of someone looking for specks in his brother's or sister's eye. Like this. It's comedy of the ridiculous. Monty Python type humor, though almost 2,000 years before Monty Python. He may have had his listeners laughing, but not those he was poking fun at. Unless, of course, they couldn't see it. Under their leadership, the Pharisees, instead of humbly serving God, Israel's worship had become about proving one's worthiness to other people. So on the one hand, their righteous acts were performed to get approval from people. On the other, they looked for opportunities to express condemnation against those they didn't see as sufficiently pious. Following their example, the everyday people of Israel learned to perform religious duty for people to approve and to belittle those who did differently than they performed. The result was a false religious experience, pride and fear of judgment instead of humility and graciousness to others. The Pharisees were hypocrites Supercilious, they looked down on those who did not belong to their group. They were judgmental. They would look for faults in the people about them. Now, how did Jesus view them? Like this. The plank represents hypocrisy and shallowness. Could we have... Not ready for that bit. Verse 5 warns the hypocrites who attack others for their small flaws while ignoring their own. Those who judge others but do not evaluate themselves. It's an astounding own goal because hypocrisy is an evident colossal fault. And it has a second meaning. Since the flaw is in the eye, it is a metaphor for how such flaws can blind one. 
It is not wrong to try to help other people's failing, but the person unaware of their own greater failing is not in a position to do it. The contrast is extreme. A speck is something tiny, a splinter, a piece of sawdust. A plank is much bigger, a difficult thing to get in one's eye. But it functions as a humorous metaphor for such an extreme flaw. One that a carpenter might think up. Who was Jesus addressing with words, your brother's eye? Say to your brother, Jesus is talking to his followers and comparing them to Pharisees. And we are his followers, brothers and sisters in Christ. Does this teaching of Jesus apply to us? It does. Jesus is teaching the church how to judge each other within the church, emphasizing how not to do it. Could we be hypocrites, sanctimonious, self-righteous? I don't see ourselves as being like the Pharisees in Jesus' time. But that wasn't my question. Could we be like them? Could we have times, feelings, attitudes when the Pharisee trait could creep in? The uncomfortable truth is yes, any sin can get in because like them we are flawed. When we see specks in the eyes of our brothers and sisters, check, have I got a plank in my own eye? If yes, remove it. So verse 5, first take the plank out of your own eye and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. Don't be judgmental, which means judging in hypocrisy and shallowness. Judge fairly with some compassion. How God sees a speck seeker like he has a plank in his eye. He looks ridiculous. In that context, Jesus says to the crowds of Jewish people following him not to unfairly judge others in order not to be unfairly judged. He's talking about an arrogant attitude of those taking the place of God in judgment. Kindliness in judgment is nothing less than a sacred duty. Lacking humility and grace could lead us to wrongly declare one person's righteousness worthy and another person unworthy merely based on our assumptions. To judge in this way is to assume authority over others that God has not given. In the end, God will judge those who judge in this way. What is condemned here is shallowness and hypocrisy. 
As we have covered so far, Jesus warned his disciples against the dangers of judging others. He told them that as they judged others, they were creating their own standard for being judged by God. He told them to deal with their own faults first, or they, so they could see clearly how to advise others regarding their faults. Now Jesus provides some additional advice for his followers before they decide to attempt to take the speck out of their brother's eye. Verse 6 is surprising. Some might find it shocking and hard to take. Jesus teaches his disciples to consider whom they correct. And he tells them to consider dogs and swine. In their world, mangy dogs roamed and scavenged in the streets. And they and pigs were seen as unclean animals. Was Jesus instructing his followers they should not correct people who are like dogs or swine? That is, people with an attitude who are unwilling to receive godly correction. People who will respond with hostility. Do not give dogs what is sacred. Do not throw your pearls to pigs. If you do, they may trample them under their feet and turn and tear you to pieces. On the face of it, it seems to demand an exclusiveness which would be the reverse of the Christian message. As in the first five verses, this is hyperbole and it is metaphor. Jesus is not defining a subclass of people. The metaphor seems to be teaching against giving out what is considered just or holy to those who do not appreciate it. Animals such as dogs and pigs cannot appreciate ethics, and this verse implies that some human beings cannot either. Unfit to hear Christian correction and teaching. What does that sound like? Well, let's try this. Ask a non-athlete who may struggle to run 100 metres. Would you like to take part in a marathon? What reaction would you expect? Verse 6 could mean that there are certain people who are not fit, not able to receive the Christian message which the church is so willing to give. It isn't saying exclude them. It speaks of a practical difficulty to impart truth with people who are opposed to the gospel. It is not everyone, it is not to everyone that we can talk of everything. There are some people who will not or cannot receive Christian truth where they are as they stand. It may be they have made their minds up to reject Jesus. It may be they are mockers of all things holy. It may be, as sometimes happens, they are have absolutely no ground in common on which we can meet and argue. 
there are those to whom the preaching of Christ will be foolishness and in whose minds the truth, when expressed in words, will meet a brick wall. Maybe you know and love such a person. What is to be done with these people? Are they to be abandoned as hopeless? Is the Christian message simply to to be withdrawn from them? What Christian words cannot do, a Christian life can often do. A man can be blind and impervious to any Christian argument in words, yet see the truth demonstrated in a Christian life, speaking very much louder than our words. And there's the power of prayer. It is limitless. We know that, don't we? Are we aware of it? The weakness of the church lies not in the lack of Christian argument, but in the lack of powerful, prayerful Christian lives. Verse 6 is challenging. Do not give dogs what is sacred. Do not throw your pearls to pigs. Matthew places these words of Jesus immediately after the hyperbole of speck and plank. We see a speck in our brother's sister's eye. We should take it out for them, correct the error. Yes? Question mark? What is the best for the patient? What about discernment? That the patient might not be fit for speck removal. Could it cause more harm than good? Must it be addressed directly right now? <coughs> what about tolerance? A fellowship with no specks, no faults, is unheard of. What about tolerance and compassion? What is the best for the patient? Remember the times when we have received tolerance and compassion? How to address the error in a brother or sister is a judgment call. Jesus teaches this. If you are going to judge others, be careful, be responsible, put the patient first. In summary, Jesus' declaration that his followers must not pronounce God's judgment on each other. Those who do try to take God's role in this way will be judged in the same way themselves. Jesus teaches his disciples to discern whom they correct and teach. And why judge others? To help them. Judging others is a responsibility in correction, teaching and preaching, building each other up. Amen.